Well, good evening, Grace Church. It's good. Hey, great. Thank you for that great response. Great to see everybody this evening. Glad you're here on campus. I guess the last service of 2020, really the last, kind of getting into the last hours of 2020, I suppose. Um, and so we're glad you made church and uh, specifically Grace Church a part of your plans. Those joining us on live stream, Facebook Live, we are so glad you have chosen to be with us this evening. Let me um, just remind you of a couple of things that are coming up here over the next couple of days so that you'll be aware and that you can make plans to participate. We will have our communion service this Sunday at 11 o'clock and looking forward to that. Um, as far back as I can remember, this has kind of been, um, I don't want to call it a tradition, but this has been our focus at the beginning of the new year at Grace Church is to start the first Sunday of the new year with a communion service. God always moves marvelously. Um, we're always drawn closer to Him, closer to His cross. It's a time of consecration, so prepare your heart for that. Get ready for that on Sunday, and we're going to have a great time here at Grace Church communion service. And then on Monday, the following day, we'll begin our 21 days of sacrifice. Of course, that'll go all the way through the 24th. If you're you're doing your math today, you, you know that, but it'll go from uh, January 4th through January 24th, 21 days of sacrifice. We're asking everyone, if you would, to sacrifice something during this time uh, to the Lord. And, and the whole idea, the, the idea is not to, to you, you know, to, to just give up something for the sake of giving up something to try to be a better person. We're trying to grow closer to the Lord, draw closer to Him, consecrate ourselves and, and everything I've read and everything I've experienced shows that when you dedicate a portion of time to the Lord in fasting, it really sets up success for the whole year. It really does. And when you start the year out like this, it gives God the opportunity to work in your life. Let me put it that way. It gives him an opportunity to bless you. And so um, Sunday communion service, Monday we start 21 days of sacrifice. Tuesday evening here in the sanctuary we'll have United Family Prayer, actually calling it First Tuesday Prayer. I'm sorry, I used the old the old phrase. First Tuesday Prayer this coming Tuesday or uh, this coming Tuesday here in the sanctuary. So be here at 7:30 for that. So we got some some things coming up here to pray to draw closer to God. We want you to take advantage of that. Also want to remind you that you can continue to give online. You can give on your way out at Grand Central. We do appreciate your generosity and your faithfulness in giving. Before Pastor comes this evening uh, to the pulpit to teach the Word of God, why don't we pray together and invite God's presence here this evening to, to sanction everything that we do all over the campus today. Jesus, we thank you that we can gather together, Lord, as a church family in your presence on this last service of 2020. We, we just dedicate ourselves to you tonight. We give ourselves to you. We look forward to what you have for us as a church in 2021. Tonight, Lord, I pray your presence would be with us. There's things going on all over the campus for students, for kids, teenagers, adults. Lord, anoint every teacher, anoint every student. Let your word be quickened to our heart. Let it cause us to grow and bring fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name. Would you just say, in Jesus' name? And just clap your hands to the Lord as pastor comes tonight to teach the word. Thank you, Brother Dave. Great to see everybody here tonight. And thank you uh, for being here on Wednesday night. Again, I'd like to say it's great to have everybody back on campus. And uh, Grace Church is gaining more and more momentum. And uh, we're very, very excited about that thrilled about what god is doing and your participation with it thank the lord again it's great to see everyone here tonight all of our guests here tonight welcome we're so glad you're here those of you watching on live stream and facebook live we're thankful to have you joining us as well uh, before we dive into the word of god tonight there's several things that i'd like to announce and maybe you can help me out with this tonight first of all if uh, there's someone, those of you watching live stream, um, that are, will not be able to be here Sunday, um, if you would like to have the communion elements to participate with us Sunday via live stream um, uh, in our communion uh, service, if you'll let the church office know, 
we'll get those communion elements to you. Um, Sister Landry told me right before church that uh, she's gone to see, uh, I guess, about four or five people uh, that are uh, able to watch on live stream but not able to attend right now. And uh, so we'd love to have you participate with us, our live streamers. And if you'd like to have the communion elements, if you'll contact the church office, um, we'll do our best to get communion elements to you. And then I have another real cool announcement that some of you in here tonight, very few in here tonight actually, would be really interested in, but I'm going to go ahead and that it'll be applicable to, I should say. But I'm going to go ahead and announce it anyway. But uh, there may be some news forthcoming here in the very near future concerning Next. Does anybody remember that? Uh, anybody remember Next? I guess nobody. Nobody remembers Next. It was uh, Jason Cooper taught that class in the A Center on Sunday morning. Does that bring back any memories? Never mind. We'll, we'll, we'll move on here. But hopefully we'll have some pretty cool announcement, uh, an announcement to make about that in the very near future. So uh, you want to stay attentive to that. And then uh, everybody listen to Pastor. Uh, I'd love to be able to blame it on COVID, but it was um, a situation that we needed to tend to even before COVID started, but we're not able to uh, for several reasons. But we need to resume our nursery. Uh, it's really impacting some of our parents with younger children. And uh, we've not had nursery in probably a year, maybe even more. And uh, it would really be amazing if we could get about five or six ladies to volunteer and rotate it around. If we could get a whole bunch and rotate it around, uh, then it wouldn't be up to just one person uh, every Sunday doing that. And uh, if we could just start it right now on Sunday, would be a big help, a great help. And uh, so I'm going to ask all of you, we're going to keep announcing this for the next couple of weeks. Uh, it has been very kindly, very respectfully, but very forcefully brought to my attention recently. And uh, the observation is absolutely correct. Uh, we need to re resume some nursery help. I, I would appreciate it if you just mob me after service, if you just be gentle and not push me over backwards, uh, just rushing up here to the pool and just wait till after service would be fine too. Um, so I uh, hope you appreciate the humor, but, uh, if we could get five or six of our ladies to help us with this, uh, we'll just start it up on Sunday right now, but it would be a tremendous, tremendous blessing, tremendous help, um, if you would do that. And again, we're going to keep announcing it until you get tired of it. And somebody says, okay, I'll do something about it. Just to keep pastor from promoting it. Uh, so if you could help us with that, we'd really appreciate it. We're way overdue. And uh, it would be, and it always has been, a tremendous, tremendous blessing uh, to people who attend our church. Uh, I know several years ago, uh, an extensive survey was done about what church offers, the environment, the culture of a church, and what have you. And uh, providing a nursery for parents with young children was in the top three of the things that people need and expect when they attend a church or become a part of that church. So... Um, if you could help, if somebody would step up to the plate and help us with that, it would be deeply, deeply, deeply appreciated. Thank the Lord. Did everybody catch that, or do I need to repeat it? Because I can repeat it. Uh, I think all of you got the point along that line, and uh, we appreciate it very much. I will ask you for your prayers as we enter 2021. We are feeling some momentum, and uh, we will be planning uh, some things with our leadership group uh, here in the very near future that I'm very excited about. And uh, hopefully we can get our feet back underneath us and, and up and running again as Grace Church, as we all what, know what Grace Church is and needs to become again. And everybody said amen. I'm looking forward to Sunday. Uh, it's going to be a great time. I feel like the Lord has given me some direction uh, for this coming Sunday. Looking forward to a time and sharing communion. Uh, with our church. It's always an amazing time, always an amazing celebration and time of commitment. So come open-hearted, come prepared Sunday as Brother Dave announced, and we'll have a great time. Let's jump into Bible study tonight. For the past, uh, not the past 
Wednesday nights that we've had church. We didn't have church last Wednesday due to the holidays. But uh, I've taught, I believe, three Bible studies on fellowship. And I would like to wrap that up tonight and then give you opportunity to begin to implement the things that we've been teaching. Um, Sister Murph and I have made some personal commitments along this line. And again, we'll be uh, rolling out some things with our church leadership along the same lines here in the very near future. So as we jump into this tonight, uh, I'll be talking to you tonight about true fellowship. Wednesday night before last, I taught the first part of this. Tonight, we'll finish it up, Lord willing. And um, so let's jump into it. By way of review, to get, back, to get you back on a wavelength with me, the Catholic News Agency staff on December the 11th, 2020, reported the following, <clears throat> that Americans who attend religious services weekly are the only demographic group appearing to show improved mental health in 2020, despite the stresses of the coronavirus pandemic and other events, uh, according to this survey. The survey otherwise shows significant self-reported mental health declines among those previously in excellent health. In 2019, the report said, about 42% of those who reported attending religious services weekly told Gallup that their mental health was excellent. In 2020, 46% said the same, an increase of four percentage points. But only 35% of those who attend services nearly weekly or monthly reported excellent mental health in 2019. They were down 12 percentage points from uh, the year 2019. So among those who attend uh, seldom or never attend, 29% reported excellent mental health down 13 percentage points uh, versus what they were in 2019. This is the importance of not only attending church, but feeling that, that sense of belonging, that sense of membership, and certainly having the privilege of fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 4 through 7, the Bible said, In these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin. So tonight I want to present part two of true fellowship. Again, by way of review, true fellowship with one another and with God is the basis for true joy. Fellowship means sharing in common or sharing together. The idea that we who were so defiled by sin could have fellowship, could share together with the holy God, not just over the few years on this earth, but forever with him, should overwhelm all of us. One commentator said, true is that saying that where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Whosoever then really perceives that fellowship with God is, will be satisfied with it alone and will no more burn with desires for other things. David said, the Lord is my cup. He's my heritage. The lines have fallen for me on an excellent lot. In the same manner does Paul declare that all things were deemed by him as dung, as comparison with Christ alone in Philippians chapter 3. So Paul said, as has at length said, and has made at length a proficiency in the gospel, that the gospel 
alone, fellowship with God alone, should help us be fulfilled, should fulfill us to the extent that we do not desire sinful nor worldly things. Paul said, He who esteems himself happy in having communion with God and concurs that that should be enough fellowship to satisfy us. John begins with fellowship with one another. And I pointed this out Wednesday night before last, and I I commented that I think it's interesting that true fellowship with one another is based on true fellowship with God. John chose the route of introducing true fellowship as being in fellowship with one another before he introduced being in fellowship with God. I believe the implication he's making is because oftentimes when people meet God, they meet God and the people of God first. They meet him at church. They meet him and a friend at work, whatever it may be. So John takes that very accurate path. And then we talked about last uh, Wednesday night before last that fellowship with one another not based on fellowship with God, the Bible teaches, is not true Christian fellowship. And then we talked about fellowship with one another based on true fellowship with God is the core of true Christian unity. That it's impossible to be in total unity with people who are not truly Christian people. And then we talked about true fellowship with God and with one another is the basis for laboring together in the gospel. It's what makes us come together and build the church together to build the kingdom together. That's why there's so much activity going around in the campus tonight is there's people who are willing to work with one another, laboring for the gospel, teaching our kids and our grandkids the gospel. And then we talked about Wednesday night before last, true fellowship with God is based on the truth of what has been revealed about Jesus. And I believe that's a great and important point. So let's jump into our Bible study tonight. And in reference to the points that I just made, there's four very important implications that can be made from those four points. And if you were not here Wednesday night before last, you may want to go back and listen to that Bible study or watch that Bible study uh, so you'll understand the total context of this one. Speaking of context, I thought Brother Jason Cooper did an amazing job this past Sunday, just preached an absolute. I've never, I've, I've thought about it and thought about it. And I can truthfully say I have never heard a sermon on context. Uh, If somebody had asked me to preach one, I thought that would be a very complicated and difficult subject to preach a sermon. And he did an amazing job. And thank you very much for that. It was very, very impactful. uh, Not only to me, but to a lot of other people. But there's four uh, implications to the points that we were making And if you want to keep all of that in context, you'll need to watch the Bible study from Wednesday night before last. Number one that I want to mention here tonight is fellowship not based on the revealed truth about Jesus Christ is not true fellowship. And I'm going to to draw some lines here tonight. But I've seen a lot of people through the years, seen a lot of people through the years more recently than I have in times and distant past that have gotten this mixed up. And hopefully you'll understand here uh, momentarily. Oftentimes, those who try to promote Christian unity will say that doctrine divides. That we should literally set aside our doctrines and just love one another. The Apostle John would say nonsense to that. Paul teaches in Ephesians chapter 4, 13, uh, verse uh, 13, that sound doctrine unites us, not divides. True fellowship centers on the truth of the apostolic testimony about Jesus Christ. If we depart from that, then we have left the biblical foundation for unity. I have seen it across the board. When people, when apostolic people fellowship people outside apostolic faith, More often than not, the apostolic goes that way. 
rather than bringing those folks into apostolic doctrine. I've seen it more in recent past than I have in, in, in distant past. This is why the Bible teaches that we cannot have, we cannot have true fellowship with people who deny the deity of Jesus Christ. If we depart from that, then again we have left found a biblical foundation for unity. When you are fellowshipping with Christian people, what do we share in common if people deny the deity of Jesus Christ? They supposedly believe in Jesus. They supposedly believe in his moral teaching. But the Jesus they believe in is not the same Jesus that the apostles believed in. And I hope you can understand that and get your head around that. This is also why a believer should not marry an unbeliever. This is why a believer should not marry an unbeliever. Although in the context, Paul includes much more than marriage, it is certainly included when he writes, do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? And he goes on to ask, or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? If you do not share the truth about Christ together, then you do not have the basis or the foundation for true Christian fellowship. I have people in this in, in the area of our church and in, in, in the city of Central that I feel like I'm friends with. That if I called them and needed them, I could have good conversation. They perhaps would even help me to some extent. But that's not my core. Of, uh, that's not my core foundation of people that I fellowship with. I choose to fellowship with people of like precious faith. And the Bible teaches the importance and the priority of that. It is important to stay on the inside of apostolic doctrine, apostolic belief for fellowship. It doesn't mean you can't be friends. It doesn't mean you can't be kind. I'm not saying that. And I don't want to come across cultish either. But I believe we need to be careful and what we share and how much allegiance, allegiance we give to people who do not believe in the same God we believe in or worship the same God that we worship. The second implication to true fellowship, as we taught Wednesday night before last, is that fellowship with God exists only through the blood of Jesus. This is an important point. It's not a long one, but it's important. John presents us with a serious dilemma. God is absolutely holy, but we are not. We're all born in sin, shaping in iniquity. I think we can all agree on that point. We can also agree that God is absolutely holy and sinless. So how can a sinner have fellowship with such a holy God? John's answer, and it's in line with the whole entirety of the Bible is that the only way a sinner person can draw near to the holy God is if his sin is atoned for. The only thing that can atone for our sin is the blood of Jesus. If someone claims to know God but denies the need for the blood of Jesus Christ to atone for sin, in John's language, not mine. In John's language, that person is a liar and a deceiver. That's what the Bible says. So here's where this would be applicable to me. You have Christian friends that attend other denominations or whatever. And you get in a conversation and they tell you that water baptism is not essential. Or that water baptism is optional. I believe tonight very accurately that the blood of Christ is applied virtually to every area of our life, but especially in repentance to forgive sin and water baptism to wash away sin and the infilling of the Holy Ghost to make us clean and pure on the inside so we can receive the Holy Ghost. So it's applied in all three steps, but in particular, especially when you look at the law of Moses in the Old Testament, 
and see when the blood was poured on the mercy seat, that if that's optional or non-essential, then where does the blood of Jesus apply then? And how can your sin be atoned for outside of the blood of Jesus? I believe the most accurate and applicable place for the blood of Christ being applied to our life is when we do go down in baptismal waters in the name of Jesus and it washes all of our sins away. Tell me then, if you do not believe in water baptism or water baptism in the name of Jesus and the essentiality of it, then where is the blood of Jesus applied to your life? Or how is it applied to your life? So this is where we have to understand true biblical fellowship. It's important because if you're not careful, your friend or your family member can also teach you or instruct you or talk you into believing that they're right. Baptism's not essential. So the next person you're witnessing to and wanting to bring to Jesus, you tell them that our church baptizes people, but you don't have to be. You're taking away the atonement for their sin. You're taking away the application of the blood of Christ out of their life. So how can we have fellowship with somebody who does not believe that? And if you dig a little deeper, they might even question the deity of Jesus Christ, that he was actually God manifested in the flesh. I'll have everybody know tonight. I'll remind you again. I don't want to sound preachy on too preachy on Wednesday night. But you have to remember that when Mary conceived and became impregnated to have Jesus, the Messiah, she, was, she conceived because the Holy Ghost touched her life. So when Jesus went to the cross, he was not shedding human blood. He was shedding blood that came from somewhere else. It came from heaven itself. It was a pure, sinless, spotless, holy blood. And only that blood can wash away our sin. And I believe in the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood. The third thing is fellowship based on the truth about Jesus Christ as a matter of shared life in him. As we saw in our last study on this, John relays to us the message about the word of life. The word, word is capitalized. The word of life. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. It's that logos. It's a manifestation of God. He said he was the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. This means that fellowship with God and with one another is not just a matter of subscribing to correct doctrines about Jesus. Listen very carefully. It's not just sitting down and saying we agree in doctrine, but it's also a matter of receiving new life through the new birth, this new life leads to a growing, deepening fellowship with God and with his people. I mentioned it in our last study of, of, of uh, two Wednesday nights ago, Wednesday night before last. One of the most amazing things about the church among many is that most people, most people feel a lot closer to church people than they do some of their own family members. We all agree that the reason for that is we have experienced not only a revelation of God in Christ and the atoning power of the blood of Christ, but we have been born into a family. We have been born again into a family through the obedience of our apostolic faith and doctrine. Everybody said amen. This is an interesting point to me. Has anybody found it interesting, I have, that it just seems like sometimes it's easier to fellowship with people of like precious faith who believe the same doctrine, but have also been filled up with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There's just something you have in common. If the person you're in fellowship with has not experienced that, it's kind of hollow 
the relationship, the friendship is kind of hollow. There's just some things that you don't talk about. I have family members, I have friends that have not experienced the baptism of the Holy Ghost and I just can't talk about some stuff because they don't understand and if they don't have any interest in it either. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say here tonight. But, with, but when I'm with people who have been born again, we don't just sit around and talk the entire time about our new birth. Let me bring it to you this way. I haven't discussed with anybody my natural birth, and I don't know when. I assume everyone has realized <laughs> that I was born. At some point, 62 years ago, however old I am right now. I have to stop and think about it. I was born in 57. So I think everybody assumes that we were all born naturally. And then when you're born again, we celebrate your birth. But after a while, we move on and don't talk about that so much anymore. But we go on to talk about deeper things in Christ and how you grow and mature and what have you. Here's, here's the illustration. Most people in here tonight have children. It's interesting to me that about the time they're 11 and 10, 11 years old, about the age of my grandkids, you quit talking about their baby pictures. You don't bring them out too much anymore. Y'all don't look at me in that tone of voice. You know it's true. When they turn 18 years old, my mother, I just went into ministry. I was about 30 years old, <laughs> and she introduced me to a, a very prolific preacher in, at that time, and uh, he's obviously passed on now. If he was not dead, he'd be about 140, um, but she introduced him, and she said, Brother so-and-so, come meet my baby, and I looked at my mother like, are you serious right now? You're introducing me to this guy. I'm 30 years old, and I have two kids, and I'm still your baby. Would you outgrow that? I have. Don't drag up my first grade school pictures right now. Why are y'all looking at me like that? You know it's true. <clears throat> you move on in the relationship. So in the church environment, the more we fellowship with one another, I had some fellowship with, with Brad the other day. We didn't sit down and talk about when each other got the Holy Ghost. We talked about church stuff, but not that. Your relationship grows and it grows and it grows and you find the more you hang out with, with church people, people of like precious faith, people who've been born again according to the scripture, people who have that new life, we know that about each other. But the fellowship is rich. The fellowship is amazing. The fellowship is deep. The fellowship is lasting. The friendship, the bond, the chemistry, all of these things is amazing. So picture a new baby born into a family. The life of that child, it, it, it's not that it's unimportant or that it's secondary. We all take for granted when we have a child that the baby is alive. It's been born and it's living. But you don't stay there. After a while, that baby begins to grow. The baby begins to develop, learns how to talk, and in the case of my oldest grandson, they never learn how to not to talk. They just talk, 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 talk. I've told y'all the story, but I think it was a couple of years ago. He was at our house, and I'm telling you, for about two hours, it was nonstop, endless chatter. And so finally I looked at him, and I said, Noah, if you could sit on the side of my bed and not say one word for 30 minutes, I'll give you $100. I had no clue that was possible. But he did it. Sister Murphy chewed me out. Why didn't you tell him 100 Because I didn't think he'd do it. Thankfully, I didn't offer him 1000 I thought he had no idea how to not talk for 30 minutes, but he didn't. He watched the clock. <laughs> and when 30 minutes passed, he caught up for that 30. I can tell you that. You whoop, 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 whoop. But it's been interesting to me, I'm not trying to belabor this point, but it's, it's true Christian fellowship that we've been born again and we've become a family and everybody should feel a part of the family. 
Has anybody grown up in a family where you didn't feel like you were a part of it? It's been interesting to me. It's been so fulfilling. It's been joyful to watch Noah and Joseph engage their parents and communicate with their parents and talk to their parents and how they try to manipulate their parents. Not with a lot of success, so when that doesn't happen, they call Annie, and it's always 100% success. Whatever they want, they can just talk her right into it, and she does it. But it's interesting because even though I knew my parents, my parents loved me, I didn't know how much until I had my own children. And then I understand. That's why we're so overjoyed when someone is born again in this church. Because now we can see that not only does God love us, but God loves them. It's new life. It's not just believing a doctrine. And it's even more than just the application of atonement. It's a new life is born. And that's why our fellowship with one another is so important. Because here at Grace Church, we don't want anybody to feel like they're not a part of God's family. So if you have experienced new life in Christ, then he lovingly cares for every aspect of your life. He has given you all that you need for life and godliness through the promises of his word. He encourages you to cast all your cares on him knowing that he cares for you. It's that parent thing, caring for their children. He sympathizes with your weaknesses and invites you to come to his throne of grace to receive mercy and grace to help in your times of need. So you can share every burden every struggle and every thought openly with him and know that he still welcomes you no matter what kind of difficulties, deficiencies that you bring to him. I'll have everyone know here tonight that this true fellowship that I'm talking about, listen to pastor, that such fellowship with Christ is not automatic and it's not effortless. Relationships take time and it takes effort. There's no such thing as a good marriage that just happens spontaneously. If you see a good marriage, it's because the couple makes it a priority to spend time together and to work at being close. They are committed to work through any difficulties or hurt feelings. They work hard at communication and they avoid temptation that would create distance or divide them. Fellowship with God is no different. I'm asking Grace Church, I'm asking the membership of Grace Church, we have to work at fellowship with one another. And sometimes there's members of the family that might need a little more fellowship than others. I talked to someone just recently, just recently, who has a child that feels like you love another child in the family more. And the mom so beautifully described that no, you're perceiving that all wrong because what you don't remember is when you were the age of that child, I gave you the same amount of attention. You just don't remember. It's because you were much younger and you needed me then and I gave you all of my attention. Now you have a younger sibling and I'm giving them the same attention that I gave you when you were that age. I'm going to ask Grace Church, and you're going to hear more and more about this in the coming weeks. We need to reestablish our fellowship with one another. We cannot become a cliquish church. We cannot become a cliquish church. I'm going to tell you how it is. It's kind of fun being a part of a clique. I have been in times past. But there's not a greater place of misery than wanting to be a part of a group or a clique. But you're not invited. You're not welcome. We've joked in times past that the loneliest place in Louisiana is by yourself. 
not a greater place of loneliness in a church than people who want fellowship and need fellowship and nobody will do it. And shame on all of us for not doing it. Fellowship with God takes work. You've got to work at it. You've got to make time for 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 it. I don't know if I said this in this Bible study or not, but you have to make time for it. You have to sometimes turn away from things that would create distance between you and God and the people that would like to fellowship with you or to be fellowshiped with. I'm not trying to put anybody on a guilt trip. The fulfillment of fellowship is phenomenal. And you don't realize how miserable you become until you've gone a long time without it. There's a few things on our calendar. There's some, some people that's invited us to their home for a meal. I can't wait. We have some other things we could be doing. But the fellowship is a priority of me. Especially when I found out what they were cooking. That did it right there. I mean, I'm saying that in jest. But fellowship means everything. I'm not good at being by myself forever. You have to work at it, folks. People need your fellowship, and you need to be fellowshipped. And we need to make time for it. We need to make time for it. We know that sin hinders fellowship. We know that sin hinders, hinders fellowship. But so do other things. The enemy will try to get you to do anything except spend time alone with God and with God's people. It may be the television. It may be a newspaper. It may be work. Always got to work. Everybody always has to work. We have to work. We have to work. I don't even know how you stay married because you work. Can't do nothing because I've got to work. I hear that all the time. Then there's hobbies. Or there's time with your friends and your clique. But if you allow these things to crowd out consistent time in God's word and prayer and even with God's people, you will not grow close to God in genuine fellowship you won't. So as you grow in fellowship with God, you'll find that increasingly his purposes and his desires become your purposes and your desires. If, if his purpose is to be glorified by saving some from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, then you'll find great joy when you hear about the gospel being preached and spread around the world. But if you don't care about missions and if you yawn when you hear someone coming to Christ, but you hear of the score of a sports event and come alive with excitement, maybe you want to examine whether you enjoy, enjoy true fellowship with Jesus or not. It is good. This leads to John's final point, and I'm concluding. True fellowship with one another and with God is a source of true joy. Now I'm on a medal. And you might want to pull your feet up under the chairs because I'm fixing to step on some toes. But I know people, they may be here tonight, they may not, I'm not going to say for sure, that miss church events for a sporting event. Maybe, I'll just say several years ago, if I ask you right now what the score was to that game, could you tell me? Probably not. It was just a momentary source of joy. And if your team won, you were happy. If your team lost, I know how this works in this area. I was born and raised here. Somebody texted me several years ago, and I've not forgotten it. LSU played one night and won on a Saturday night. person texted me and said, we're going to have good church tomorrow because LSU won. Everybody's going to be in a good mood. They're right. Sad to say, in large part, they're right. But it's a temporary joy. There's relationships I have with people here tonight that I've had for over 40 years. And the friendship is still there. The friendship is still amazing. The fellowship is still joyful. And it makes me fulfilled to know that I've actually had a friend <laughs> for that long. <laughs> but I hope you get the point. So it's a source of true joy as we 
see the, the original text, you might read our, our joy, not your joy, but both are true. When, when a sinner person comes to Christ, it should bring great joy to those who already know Christ. We've talked about that, but it also brings great joy to the sinner who is saved. And as our fellowship with God and with one another deepens, the joy deepens, and commenting on the fact that God has given us eternal life, Calvin explains in his commentary, but if we consider how miserable and horrible a condition death is, and also what is the kingdom and the glory of immortality, we should perceive that there is something here more magnificent than can be expressed in any words. And it is so true. So as God's children, we're obligated to seek our greatest joy in Him. If we seek joy in lesser things, we miss the greatest joy of all when we do not glorify the God who rescued us from the ravages of sin and a death without Him. So in conclusion tonight, Fellowship with God and with one another really are just about the two great commandments. To love God with all your being and to love your neighbor as yourself. People say, I've heard people say, I don't need fellowship. Well, well, that's being selfish. Because there may be people that would like to fellowship with you. Maybe they need your fellowship even though you don't need theirs. I think we need to be a little more compassionate and sympathetic towards our fellow family member. The aim of the entire Bible is to help us glorify God as we experience the deep joy of close relationship with him and close relationships with one another. So as we grow in obedience to the two great commandments, we'll grow in great joy, not only in this life, but also for eternity. I want, I'm asking Grace Church to work on your relationship with God and I'm asking you to work on your relationship with others. I had something happen to me. Um, stand and what I'm about to do won't quite be so awkward for Brother Dave, but come, come up here for just a second. Everybody stand up. <clears throat> Through the holidays, we were invited to someone's house and I'm going to face you because I want you to watch me. He's me and I'm this other person when I walked into their house he did this looked into my eye and said Merry Christmas Pastor there was a tone you stay right there there was a tone there was a content to that and I almost got emotional I fought back tears because I know this person we've been through a lot of hills and valleys We've been through over a lot of mountaintops and we've been through a lot of dark places together. We've walked side by side now for a number of years. And there was just something about those words and the heart behind it and the spirit they were set in. Merry Christmas. I knew they meant it. But it was not just that they meant it. It's where it was coming from. The camaraderie, the chemistry. The fellowship. We've been through heartbreak. We've been through rejoicing. We've had grueling moments. We have been, we've, we've been, had to grind out things and, and all of that. But the relationship is even deeper now than it's ever been. I'm telling you here tonight, there's nothing like, there's nothing comparable to true, to true biblical fellowship. And where everything may be rosy and perfect in your life right now, at some point you may need it. But everybody here tonight's not rosy and perfect in, in everything going on in their life. And they need your handshake. They need your smile. And they need to hear some words of kindness, some words of hope. So tonight, as we dismiss, with everything in me, Happy New Year. I hope you have a great New Year's Day. I hope your family is blessed beyond measure. And as we come together at Grace Church in 2021, I hope our fellowship, I trust that our fellowship is greater, is deeper, is closer, is more valuable, is more a priority than it's ever been. So in dismissal tonight, 
Could you walk to somebody? Don't run out the door, not just yet. Even if you're shy and quiet, nobody's going to hurt you. Nobody's going to hurt you. If they try, holler real loud. It'll take me about five minutes to get there, but we'll take care of it. But nobody's going to hurt you. Would you hang around just for a moment and make sure tonight, everybody here, would you do your best to go around? Don't get caught up in conversation right now, but just walk around and just tell folks. You love them. You appreciate them. And you're glad they're part of the family. Would you do that? God bless you. You're dismissed. And we'll see you Sunday morning. Happy New Year.